Today is Tuesday, January 26th. The title for our devotional is Jesus as our example. Yesterday we looked at the primary imperatives of our text for the week. The strong are obligated to bear with the failings of the weak, and they are both to welcome one another. Paul's basis for each is none other than Jesus himself. This we will explore today. Let's read Romans 15, 1 through 13. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For, and here's the explanation, with Christ as the basis. For Christ did not please himself, but as it was written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another, as Christ has welcomed you, for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. First, in verse 3, Paul bases his imperative for the strong to please their neighbors for their good and to build them up in the actions of Jesus. Jesus, God in flesh, had every right to come to earth and do whatever he wanted. He could have come as a conquering king, overthrown the Roman government to establish a kingdom greater than Solomon's could ever have been. He could have come and immediately demanded worship and celebrity treatment, but he didn't. He was born in a stable. He was despised and rejected by his own people. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He humbled himself by me by being made man. He humbled himself further by dying. He humbled himself even further by dying an excruciating, publicly humiliating death on a cross. Paul quotes Romans 69.9 here also, which talks of a righteous sufferer who suffers at the hands of those who mock God. The righteous one is forsaken by his friends and attacked by his foes. This psalm is used often by the New Testament authors to describe the events of the cross. At the cross, Jesus took the taunts and the mockery directed at God. In verse 5, Paul says that living in harmony with one another is to live, quote, in accord with Jesus Christ. That is, when we live in harmony with one another in spite of our differences, we are living like Jesus in the way that he taught us and showed us. In verses 7 through 9, he also bases his imperative to welcome one another in Christ himself. He tells them to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. 
Christ has welcomed both the Jews and the Gentiles into the people of God. Nobody is excluded based on their ethnicity or adherence to the law of Moses. Verse 8 references the fact that Jesus' ministry was primarily to the Jews to fulfill the Jewish scriptures, which point to the redemption of all the nations, beginning first with the people of Israel. This Paul has already thoroughly expounded theologically in chapters 9 through 11, really through the whole book too. Romans 9.4 says this, They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. Romans 10.12 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. So what he says here in chapter 15 is the natural outworking of that theology. Because Jesus is the Lord of all, because salvation is by faith in him, not by adherence to the law and the ways of Israel, the Gentiles are accepted into the family as well as the Jews. If Jesus accepts both of them, who are they to reject one another? Right theology must lead to right living. Basically, Jesus is pretty great. We should follow his lead. Or as the old bracelets used to say, what would Jesus do? For additional content today, I've included a portion of the Bible Project podcast on the family of God in which they discuss Paul's theology in the Jews and Gentiles being one in God's family. Enjoy. The dynamic created by non-Israelites trying to live together with Jews in a common family. Except now the tables are turned. You know, in the book of Acts, it was Israelites in places of authority hmm. trying to figure out how to integrate non-Israelites. Yeah. What's happened in Rome is the opposite. So, and again, I'm summarizing things from previous conversations. So you remembered this, that the Jews have been exiled from Rome mm -hmm. by Emperor Claudius. And that happened in, uh, I think, 49 mm. AD. And a whole bunch of background there, just I refer back to that earlier series. But after somewhere between five to 10 years, Jews were allowed to return back. Just try, imagine that. Yeah. You're escorted by Roman guards. You're given like notice to a day to mm. pack up your stuff. Yeah. I mean, just imagine. I mean, it's kind of an internment kind of situation. Like yeah. that's happened in, you know, for the Japanese. And yes, that happened America. here in the U.S. Um, after World War II. Yeah. Yeah. Very common. Of course, this was a big part of what happened in the Holocaust, mm -hmm. the events leading up to the Holocaust, mm -hmm. a government rounding up one ethnic group. Yeah. Not an uncommon thing in human history. No, it's a very common thing. Yeah. And so this obviously puts people of that ethnic group in a very vulnerable place. Yeah. Obviously on the very low rung of the social ladder because they're now outcasts. Mm -hmm. And so... Somewhere between five to ten years later, people debate the dates here, Jews are allowed to return to Rome. And so just imagine the dynamic at work in these churches here. In fact, we made a video about this, Yeah, <laughs> this dynamic. And so Paul talks about this dynamic in the letter. This is in chapters 14 and 15. And I just want to recall, Paul talks about two groups of people, these two groups of people that are at odds in the church. And he doesn't use ethnic designations mm. for it. It's interesting. And so what he does is he has t uh, two words to refer to people who want to observe the Jewish calendar, eat kosher, and apparently are still very attached to and want to continue the practice of circumcision. And what he says about them, he calls them by two words. He, he either calls them those without power, hmm. 
Romans 15, verse 1, he calls them those without power, often translated as the weak. Oh, yeah. I just look at the commentaries. It's not what the word means. Oh. It means someone without status. Okay. And the, the people in opposition to those who are not powerful is the same Greek word, but reversed, those with power. So what he says in Romans 15.1 is, those, we who are powerful ought to bear with the weaknesses of those without power. Hmm. The other words that he uses is he describes those who are weak in faith. Weak being a different word than the powerful word? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then those who have faith. And essentially, Paul's of the conviction that the Holy Spirit has made it clear back at the Jerusalem Council that following the kosher food laws for non-Gentiles, it's not required. Now, there might be there might be Messianic Jews who want to do that. That's their way of honoring Jesus. And there might even be some non-Israelites who that's what they want to do. There were many who did. But it's no longer a requirement. And to make it a requirement is to be weak of faith. Correct. That's right. It's to not trust. Paul's showing his cards here. Yeah. But it's not trusting that Jesus fulfilled uh, the commands of the Torah. Hmm. Actually, I'll just let you read the paragraph here. This is in Romans uh, 14, and he names the dynamic. Romans 14, now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only, because that's a kosher thing. Correct. The one who eats anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one who can, the one who doesn't eat kosher, basically. Yeah. The non-kosher person is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat kosher. Mm -hmm. And the one who does not eat kosher is not to offer judgment to the one who eats it. Mm -hmm. For God has accepted him. Mm -hmm. Who are you to judge? The servant of another. To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. And this is speaking to um, holy days, festivals. Correct, yeah. Which is yeah. another Jewish thing that yeah. sets you apart. Yeah. Each person must be fully convinced in his yeah. own mind. Yeah. What's this uh, servant master stuff? Oh, well, what he's telling those with power um, and those who, who don't eat kosher, what he notes is that they are treating with contempt. Yeah. Those without power... And those who do eat kosher. Yeah, there's almost like two problems. Mm-hmm. One problem is those with power, the the, mm-hmm. the Gentiles, the mm-hmm. non-Jewish people who got to stick around. Yep, they, they have status. They weren't exiled from Rome. Yeah. Yep. So these marginalized Jewish people come back in. Mm-hmm. They don't have any power. They mm-hmm. want to keep kosher because that's mm-hmm. what they do. Yeah. They're Jewish, even if they follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And some non-Israelites with them. Mm-hmm. And so then you got these people who have the power status going, you idiots, mm-hmm. and they're treating them with contempt yes. for continuing to eat kosher, mm-hmm. which Paul thinks is a problem. Yeah, huge problem. But then it's also the reverse. He says those who choose to eat kosher are condemning and judging um, the people who don't eat kosher. Yeah. So it's not a, a just a one direction right. squabble here. Yeah. Both groups are being mean to each other. They're both, they're both pointing fingers. Yeah. And they both have their reasons. And they both have their reasons. And so Paul's logic is, first of all, who are you to judge the servant of another master? Yeah, what does that mean? Oh, so I follow Jesus. They, because they follow the same master. Exactly. So basically his point is Jesus accepts the one who eats kosher. Jesus accepts the one who doesn't eat kosher. Who are you 
to offer judgment oh. on another follower of Jesus uh, on this kind of issue. Okay. He stands or falls before Jesus uh, regardless of what you think of him. He should have just said that. <laughs> That'd been a lot easier to follow. Uh, and then he <laughs> adds this little thing of, well, he will be able to stand, not because he'll do it under his own power. It's because Jesus died for him and yeah. the Lord will make him able to stand. That's a little, little aside there. So that's one thing. These groups are being mean to each other. Yeah. So one way to think is, ah, oh, I get it. What Paul wants them is to have unity. So we're going to have a reconciliation ceremony here <laughs> where they treat each other as equals, right? right? Okay. And that's actually not how he sees the dynamic going here. Let's go back up to Romans 15. Look what he says here. He says, now we who have power, he says, we are okay. obligated. And why does he say we? Because he's not, he's Jewish. Oh, but he includes himself. That's right. So this isn't purely an ethnic category. Okay. There could be Jews who have decided not, to eat, not to eat kosher. But I think it's probably majority Jews yeah. and majority okay. non-Jews. But again, that's why he doesn't use the ethnic Did titles. Did Paul give up kosher? Oh, it seems like he um, was flexible. Yeah. As he says in 1 Corinthians 9, I became all, all, things, all things to all people. Yeah. But look at the dynamic here. When he sees two groups, they're at odds. There's the ethnic culture divide. Yeah. First of all, stop judging each other and treating each other with contempt. Yeah. Step one. Step two, how do you actually achieve some sort of equality yeah. or unity? And look at the dynamic in Romans 15.1. He says, we who are the ones with power, we are obligated to carry the weaknesses of those without power and not just do what's easy yeah. for ourselves. Therefore, welcome one another just as the Messiah welcomed you. Huh. The powerful are obligated to carry the non-powerful, just like the Messiah welcomed you all into the family of God. It was This was Scott McKnight, who's um, reading Romans backwards, pointed this out. Do you see there's, there's a power differential? Yeah. A social status differential. And Paul is saying, it's not, hey, now everyone just, let's find some new equality. Mm. Everyone put their chips in and make this happen. Yeah. He's saying... Those of you who have status and power, it's up to you yeah. to make the equality. Yeah. Those of you, yeah, who have status, power, d dare I say privilege, uh -huh. social privilege, yeah. have an obligation to accommodate and go that extra mile, make that extra effort to come under those without social status to make sure that the family of God is a place where they are treated as equals. I just... Once that became clear to me, it just hit me square. And the analogy is just as Jesus, yeah. who is definitely of a higher social, <laughs> social status than me. Yeah, made himself. But lowered, okay. think in Philippians 2, lowered himself, became a slave, died on the cross, right? Just as he lowered himself to welcome me. So there might be people listening to this conversation and, and they're like, oh, now Tim and John are getting political. <laughs> And uh, so I just, <laughs> yeah, I just would urge us like this. This is about listening to the Bible. Yeah, it does smack a little bit of, and I don't know much about this. Yeah, but what a critical theory, like critical race theory and stuff. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. where it's like there's power struggles, power differentials, and the way to find mm. liberation for all people is for the is to fix those power structures. Mm. But we're not talking about any specific kind of. Yeah, yeah, we're like not that. employing like a philosophical theory of race relations or right. something. This, this is Paul thinking through how different ethnic groups 
learn how to live together as a single family in yeah. the Messiah, using the story of Jesus as the model ethic yeah. for how we get along. Well, it smacks of Jesus' teachings. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the strong yeah. serving the weak. Yes, totally. And the first will be last, and last will be first. Absolutely. So, yeah, so Paul envisions that these Romans who feel quite comfy in Rome, and almost certainly, you know, as we learned in the list of names in chapter 16, that these houses, house churches are divided along ethnic lines. Mm -hmm. And so Paul really, his dream is for a unified, multi-ethnic family of God. And that's what all the theology he packs into chapters 1 through 11 of Mm. the letter is about. For reflection time today, reflect on the grace of Jesus in accepting you. Reflect on your determination to be like him. If we aspire to be like Jesus, that means being willing to give up our privileges to benefit others. That means welcoming those with whom we have differences over disputable matters. Just think about how awesome Jesus is and how much of your mess that he gives you grace for. Then, commit to trying to love people like Jesus loves you.